Welcome to Reclaiming Hope. My name is Ben Hamilton. Um, welcome back to our third episode. And today we're going to talk about a, a different topic. We're going to talk about the topic of anxiety. And um, with me today, I have my good friend, uh, Joe Julian. And Joe, you want to introduce yourself and just tell us just a little bit of who you are and why you agreed to do this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on, Ben. Yeah. Uh, excited to to share a little bit. But yeah, my name is Joe Julian. I am uh, the campus pastor at the Midtown location at City Light. Um, and I think your question was, why did I agree to do this? Well, yeah. you're paying me a ton of money. So honestly, that's <laughs> probably why. Incorrect. No, yeah. So. <laughs> you're actually much. my boss. Yeah. <laughs> just be honest. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I love the idea of this pad- podcast and just sharing stories and um, getting these out to our congregation uh, just so they, yeah, can can hear stories, can understand that um, like we are all kind of in process and we are That's all, right. uh, walking through life and none of us get through this thing unscathed. Yeah. And, um, I think just sharing stories can, can help like, uh, each other just point each other to hope. Right. I That's think right. The, yeah. the name of your podcast is, is reclaiming hope. And so, uh, how do we walk through this? And I think stories are a powerful way uh, yeah. to illustrate that. So. Amen. Well, um, as I mentioned today, we're going to be having a conversation about anxiety. And I mean, there's never not a good time to have this conversation, right? Just right. with our culture and the realities of the things that we deal with um, as people, as human beings yes. um, in a fallen, broken world. But 2020 feels intense, right? Uh, just um, a little bit. Yeah, so there's been I, a couple of things going on. Just, just a couple. I mean, <laughs> they kind of escaped my mind in their significance. But no, this has been an intense year and one in which um, I think we all may have had some experience, some exposure with feelings of being anxious and anxiety. And um, I did a little bit of research just in preparation of this and just just minor, minor uh, data here, but, and it's a little bit dated from the the research that I pulled up, but according to the National Institute of Mental Health, um, around 31% of adults have experienced some anxiety disorder at some point in their lives with varying degrees of impairment, right? So um, varying degrees as far as how that actually affected their life, but nonetheless, a third of all adults. And then recent numbers from 2020, so this year of crisis after crisis, have suggested that it's just nothing but elevated. Right, So that um, we, a a lot of us, many of us, um, and I know it's been true for me, um, we've experienced some level of anxiety. For sure. It's just... It's it's tough. So, uh, what I'd like to do just to get started, and thank you so much for being willing to yeah. to just share today. But um, I know you have a story mm-hmm. of um, of anxiety, and I think it, just the best place to start is just kind of maybe share a little bit about when that began for you, yeah. and and yeah, what it was like. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. So, um, I think starting off to to help kind of frame. Uh, this story, just a little bit about me. Um, I am a shaded extrovert uh, on 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 the scale, just a little on the extroverted side of mid range. Uh, I love people, uh, love being around people. Uh, some of my most enjoyable times are being in big groups of people, hanging mm-hmm. out, you know, whatever it might be. 
so I just say that to frame kind of as, as my experience with anxiety uh, and what happened and how it kind of pushed me away from even some things that I was just normally like found enjoyable and, yeah. and different things like that. Yeah. So, so at any mm-hmm. rate, uh, you know, the story for me really starts off probably uh, in my early 20s. Um, uh, I got married at 22. Uh, my wife and I moved from uh, our, our, our small, small college town back to Omaha, uh, where I grew up, and uh, started working at an organization called Boys Town. We were family parents, mm. family teachers. Uh, that, uh, we lived there 24 hours a day. Um, it, it's a job that included a constant low level of stress with spikes of very, very high stress, yeah, uh, right. just with behaviors and, and different things. So at any yeah. rate, just yeah, to give that context. Um, and so I, I remember, uh, looking back on it now, um, I started to feel, uh, certain symptoms of anxiety. Now, then I didn't recognize it as anxiety at all. Uh, I, I would, um, occasionally, uh, you know, maybe my heart rate would go up or I'd get some shortness of breath or just something inside didn't feel right. That's how I would have said it then mm. looking back again, uh, anxiety, but I would just think to myself, Oh, I'm probably dying. You know, like I, whatever's going on, I'm dead, right? Yeah. Uh, which not anxious, exactly. I'm not dying. anxious. I'm for sure just dying. Yeah. Um, and so that would happen occasionally. Um, again, it didn't really affect my day to day life, but looking back, right? Um, and uh, but really, where the, where the story really really kicks off um, is uh, my wife was going in for a simple um, outpatient procedure, uh, and uh, this was uh, before we had kids. Um, and, and I went with her, uh, just because, you know, she needed a driver and all that stuff. I was her husband, right? right. I was going to be yeah. with her. Um, and I remember actually, uh, um, uh, hospitals for whatever reason would be where I would get some of these feelings like, oh, I'm dying. Right. Yeah. Again, looking oh, yeah. back. Um, yeah. and so I remember riding in the elevator up to the floor, uh, thinking, well, if something bad does happen to me here, at least I'm in a hospital, <laughs> right? Hands, I remember yeah. having that thought. So yeah. any rate, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm in the room with Whitney, my wife, and uh, she's getting prepped for uh, surgery. She's getting an IV, um, yeah. that stuff put in. Uh, and I think they're having a hard time getting the IV in, and she's in pain and different things like that. And mm-hmm. I'm just sitting. No, yeah, I was sitting there in a chair, um, and I remember feeling really woozy and, um, asking the nurse, Hey, where's, is there a water fountain? Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, sit there yeah. and I'm going to get you a glass of water. Apparently I was physically yeah. showing some signs of probably pale. Yeah. A little yeah. pale. Um, and so she hands me the cup of water and it felt like it was a million pounds, mm. uh, which that's when I recognized, oh, I think I'm going to pass out. Mm. And the next thing I remember is I open my eyes and there's like four nurses standing yeah. above me. Apparently I'd blacked out. Yeah. I, I had dropped. I'd passed out. And uh, mm. so at any rate, yeah, um, you know, they're around me. They're like, okay, whatever. No big deal. This happens apparently yeah. when, you know, it, it, it happens. So yes. they, so ironically, I'm in a hospital and this happens. So uh-huh. they sit me down. They take my blood oxygen, heart rate, all that stuff. 
Um, and they started asking me like the routine questions like, oh, did you eat breakfast? You probably didn't eat breakfast. Your blood sugar's probably low. I'm like, actually, I had like seven waffles and syrup. I went after it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, all of their explanations weren't really adding up. My Blood O2 look great, you know, heart rate, all that stuff. So anyway, okay, great. We leave the hospital, uh, you know, do all that. And uh, the next day, we are in uh, a, a meeting with a bunch of people. We call them community meetings, which I loved because I actually got to talk to people, hang out, right? So we're sitting down and we're sitting there and my Whitney is retelling the story of what happened to the person sitting next to me. Yeah. And as she's retelling it, all of a sudden, all these symptoms start coming back to me. Back, I break yeah. out into a cold sweat. I'm getting dizzy again. And yeah. I'm like, I just, I, I'm like, I have to leave. Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to do this here, right? So yeah. I left, like, abruptly. Um, and, and at this point I'm like, okay, something is like seriously wrong with me. Like what is happening? Mm. Like, you know, why do I feel like I'm passing out? You know, all these different things. And that started, um, almost like it, it, I mean, looking back, it almost like a PTSD type response, right. Yeah. To, to, um, I'm around people or in a place where there's stress all of a sudden, like all these symptoms are just rushing in. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, of course, uh, very pridefully, I didn't ever think anxiety, I, you know, I, I wasn't uh -huh. thinking those things. Um, yeah. and I also wasn't going to go get help. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be fine. Like I'm going to tough this thing out. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so, uh, as time went on, the symptoms continue to get worse and worse and more frequent and more mm. frequent. So where it used to be just like kind of when attention would be on me uh, amongst a large group of people or something like that, it progressed yeah. all the way to like, I couldn't go to a grocery store wow. uh, with people walking around and, and, you know, bright lights and the music and the stimulus and all this stuff felt like almost an assault really? <laughs> on yeah. me, which is crazy, right? Like, mm. um, I, like, I love being around people. Like it, it brings me energy. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden this is happening and I can no longer do the things that I enjoy. Like mm -hmm. they are a battle. Like, yeah. um, and, and so I, I mean, I remember sitting in church, uh, you know, and Whitney, you know, we would talk through it and she would notice it. Like I would start fidgeting and like kind of moving in my seat and, and different yeah. things like that. And she'd be like, are you okay? Do you need to? And, and, uh, I, so I would leave, you know, mm. I'd go to the bathroom, like wash my, you know, splash water on my face, do all these things, but it was happening consistently. Mm. Um, in fact, I remember, uh, Whitney's grandmother died and, um, she went down, uh, a couple days early, uh, for, you know, arranging funeral, uh, things. And, um, I drove down, uh, a couple days later and I had, you know, what I look back on now, I, and I know is a panic attack, like in the vehicle, mm. um, going to the funeral. And mm. so I had to pull over cause I was going to crash like yeah. legit crash on the interstate. And, um, in, in, uh, I kind of limped there, so to speak. Like, I think I pulled over two or three times. Oh. And then by the time I got to the, like to the small town where the funeral was, I just went and laid down. Right. So like these things are way out of character for me, you yeah. know? Um, mm -hmm. and these are like really, really starting to affect me. Um, and so it just, man, I, I, I would say in that time, 
um, you know, just so many thoughts would would go through my head when this would happen. Anger, like frustration. That it was happening. Yeah, right? that it was happening. And you with, were not in control of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. I was mad at myself. Yeah. I was, um, you know, just thinking, is this forever? Like, do mm-hmm. I have to deal with this stuff forever? Like, what am I going to do? I can't have a job where there's any pressure on me. I can't, right? You Like, yeah. my mind just starts swirling and swirling and swirling, which is not making this any better. Right. Um, and so definitely, um, some hopelessness just started to settle in. Well, maybe I can find a back, you know, corner job. Not that there's anything wrong with those jobs, but like, you know, fell out of just not, not you though, completely out of character. Right. And and just completely not me. Um, almost where, yeah, where I would look back and, uh, like when people would ask, I would explain it almost felt like almost out-of-body type experiences. Like mm-hmm. it just didn't, it felt so much unlike me that yeah. it didn't, it, it felt out of body, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I was never floating above looking in none of that. Like it wasn't, you know, the whatever, the person that dies goes to the light, looks down, the, not like that, but yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, yeah. So, so yeah, so definitely mm-hmm. uh, hopelessness that um, was starting to settle in. And, and this all, I would say the, real strong grips of it i uh probably lasted um five six years wow uh and and it ramped up during those five or six years and it was a little up and down but but i would say i was in the grips of it Mm. um pretty tightly for for five or six years yeah so it sounds like there was this massive disconnect between the your your view of yourself you know, yeah. the, the Joe that you had known, you know, and right. been the whole, Absolutely. your whole life. And now this reality that you were living, that's like, who am I? Yeah. And, and you mentioned, um, some anger that yeah. it would. So oh, can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? What, what was, what, what were you angry at? Uh, well, myself, Yourself? um, I, uh, very much, uh, grew up in a kind of a traditional Midwest home where, um, like you have to make your way for yourself. Mm. Right. And, um, and again, like hard work. Yes. Yes. And amen. Right. But sometimes that, that floats over into like an over realized control, right? Like, mm. um, like I actually have control over everything and I need to yeah. control everything and I can get through anything if I just pull myself up from my bootstraps. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the anger was anger towards myself that I hmm. couldn't, yeah. um, that I literally with all the focus I could ever have, I mm-hmm. could not will myself to not feel this way. Uh, you know, um, yeah. Hmm. It, yeah. And it's so hard when you're in those like kind of panic moments, it's like you're in a cloud and you can't focus, you can't engage, yeah. you can't do any of the things that you want to do. And it just, I, anger was one of my first and most frequent uh, yeah. emotions coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Joe, so much for just sharing and your, your honesty. And I think you and I have gotten to talk a little bit about, and there's so many parallels just even in our experiences with this and yeah. so many things that you're saying that I can connect to like, yeah, I've, I've been there. Um, so I want to explore this. So you were a Christian during this time, right? Yep. So, so love Jesus, um, believe the Bible and, and, um, everything. So what were some of the things you found yourself, um, 
believing or maybe struggling to believe about God in the in the middle of this story or maybe at some of the the heightened difficult moments like even things that you know you 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 maybe at one time said you believed um but then all of a sudden became a struggle to actually yeah. put into practice or what what did that yeah no that's good so um i really would have hard times with verses like uh you know the peace of god oh, right yeah. okay yeah. i don't feel that like peace is actually the opposite of what i feel mm. um i would also really have hard times with like jesus's command to do not be anxious yeah fear not like I'd, yeah and fear not like yeah. it's the most common command in the bible right and mm. so i'm like am i sinning like this feels very mm. much out of my control but I see these these commands, right? To to do not be anxious and fear not. And so, like I would, again, kind of how my anger would fold into myself. So would like a little bit of guilt and shame. Like yeah. I think maybe I'm sinning. Like mm. you know, maybe I'm. Uh, I must be doing something wrong. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff to to wrestle yeah. with in that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So how did that impact just your relationship and? And even communion with God, like what were prayers looking like as you were, yeah, like, man, I'm, I think I'm sinning here. Yeah. I'm not obeying these commands I see in scripture. What, what, what that do to the relationship? Well, first it was a lot of God, take this away from me. Oh yeah. Like take yeah. it. I, I right. can't do this. I need relief. Um, uh, you know, if like the, in probably confessing, like if I'm sinning for, you know, going here, being this anxious, please forgive me and take this from me, you know, maybe some negotiating. Mm. Um, but, but for sure at first it was, I simply wanted relief and, and that is what dominated my prayers, which there's nothing wrong, you know, looking back at that, but, but in, in, in my heart and in my mind, that's, that's, really what I was focused on was mm-hmm. I just need relief. Yeah. 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 Relief. Um, absolutely. Well, so I know in my experience with, um, anxiety and being anxious and it, you referenced this a little bit earlier in your story, there is this, um, uh, parallel reality of feeling or actually recognizing I'm not in control yep. of something. Yep. And, um, certainly feeds the anxiety, causes it to grow and, and to build and, and oftentimes can be the root. So can you talk a little bit about um, maybe what it felt like? And I know you mentioned some of that anger and, you know, the Midwest ethic of like, yeah. like hey, maybe you're not in control, but you should be. Right. You should keep yeah. working yeah. until you are. Um, what did it feel like to be, recognize you are not in control and then consider, well, who is and yeah. am I okay with that? Yep. Great question. Great question. So um, I had mentioned kind of framing at the beginning that I love people, love being around people. Mm. Well, what I started to recognize um, through a lot of prayer and talking with my wife, Whitney, who's a godsend in this Mm. time, um, is that uh, kind of the... um, the, the underbelly of that is I was also a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really cared deeply about what other people thought of me. And yeah. so um, inadvertently, uh, I had started to tie a lot of my identity into what other people thought of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
going to these symptoms of anxiety and and one of the prevailing thoughts that I would have is what if I pass out in front of everyone? That's going to be super embarrassing. Yeah. And then what are people going to think about me, right? Which then is hitting at that kind of core um, identity piece, which I don't have control of, right? right. And and yeah. ultimately, I don't have control over what other people think of me. But, right. you know, I, I think that at the very core is what was um, just at, at the root of a lot of this was... Mm. Um, I was putting my identity in a place that it didn't belong. I was putting my identity in the hands of man instead of truly in the hands of God. And so um, to kind of circle back to your question of what does that look like uh, to put control in its proper place, right? Right, yeah. Um, uh, what I started to do is just start to confess that to God. Like, God, mm-hmm. I have... I have given man and other people more weight uh, than you. Um, Mm. And so um, I started uh, meditating on uh, Bible verses, uh, scripture, different things like that. Um, But they all surrounded this idea of like my identity in Christ. Um, And so, you know, you are an adopted child of God. You are redeemed. You are an heir to the throne. Um, All of these things. And and that those things cannot be taken away. Uh, Like it's already been done. It's been secured. And my identity can now flow out of that instead of uh, being performance-based or or being this person uh, that I need to be in front of other people so that I'm accepted, right? All all of those different things. Yeah. Um, And so um, in that time, too, I was actually taking – I I had gone back to school to get my master's in counseling. Mm -hmm. And so I started uh, to see some of these strategies that that, – counseling can take towards anxiety. And and one of the things is exposure, uh, like kind of exposure to like a safe exposure to a stimulus that uh, gives you anxiety to like train yourself to yeah. not go into this fight or flight response, right? Right, right. Um, and so I took that and kind of married it to my gospel uh, paradigm, which is I am a adopted child of God. And so my identity does not need to come in my performance around other people. Yeah. And so what I would do is um, whenever... I would find myself in a situation where the those feelings are get, uh, getting triggered. I'm getting flush again, getting pale. My heart rate's going up. I'm feeling woozy and dizzy, feeling kind of cloudy thoughts, right? right? These these symptoms of anxiety. I would actually allow my brain or my mind to take that. Okay, worst case scenario. What's what's going to happen? Worst, I'm, I'm going to pass out in front of all these people. Okay. Does that actually change who I am, right? And so I'm doing yeah. this mental exercise, right. you know, yeah, uh, and I'm sure my wife is looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm like <laughs> so far away, right? Yeah, like I am <laughs> exactly. I'm just out, right? I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, but what I'm doing is is I'm giving my mind uh, or you know my mind by kind of exposure to this, but yeah. then tying it into my identity and yeah. and letting it letting myself recognize that like actually whatever like yeah. if i mm. pass out if i die right like the yeah. most extreme i'm going to be ushered into glory with my savior like yeah. is that the <laughs> worst place imaginable yeah. no right? right 
Um, and so over time uh, in that practice, I actually started to recognize some of my symptoms of anxiety lessening. Now, yeah. they didn't go away. I did continue to pray for and ask for relief. Um, sure. But as, as I continued to kind of uproot this uh, uh, kind of man-pleasing, uh, yeah. like people-pleasing idea, yeah. Which is not fully uprooted. I, I mean, I'll be working on that until Jesus comes back. Right, but um, w- what I started to recognize is that this is actually like over time, it's working to give, you know, the, that's a cheap answer that it works, right? But, yeah. but for me to um, start to really tie that identity piece and, and, and the fact that I literally have no one to please on, mm. on, on this end of, yeah. of eternity, right? Like my security, my standing, all of this is done. It's yeah. done. Um, and so allowing my mind to play out kind of those worst possible scenarios and recognizing that actually those worst possible scenarios aren't that bad because I can actually trust in my creator right. in those. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. Um, what I love and just hearing about that kind of, uh, you use the words, uh, the exposure kind of yeah. approach that you got from just the counseling world. Um, and that may sound crazy to someone, like that moment when you were just mentally totally checked out, yep. <laughs> and, you know, way down the road, just kind of running through the scenarios. But what you were doing there is, uh, it may sound weird to some, but that's actually something we see modeled in the scriptures, right? In the psalmists, they were notorious for arguing with the soul almost. Like yeah. that's what you're kind of doing in that yep. you're you're arguing with yourself in a, in a sense, with your innermost being. And, yeah. and um, there can be so much um, uh, wisdom and illumination of just, because uh, then you see this connection at, at some point as this inner argument takes place of like, um, hope again in God, you know, yes. where your yep. salvation is found. Yep. And so kind of ultimately, so rising to that place of acknowledging, okay, who is in control here? Um, and do I believe that he's good? Yes. And yes. when your identity is rooted in God and you you know that you're his and he's yours, then you can eventually, um, you know, get to that place of being like, okay, like this isn't maybe all gone. Right. But I'm standing on solid rock. Yes. Exactly. Um, and exactly. I'm firmly in his grip and he'll never let me go. Yep. And that's beautiful. Um, wow. So you've mentioned uh, your your wonderful wife, Whitney, several times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Appropriately so. And so one of the things we like to draw attention to in in this podcast is kind of the the instruments of, yeah, of hope that God uses. Um, though, those people and things even that God uses to... Um, uh, to kind of remind us of where our hope is mm-hmm. or even help uh, lead us to a greater, fuller, deeper understanding of what our hope is. Um, how did Whitney just practically just do that for you? Well, I think one of the main things is um, she didn't look at me and go, what is wrong with you? Figure mm-hmm. it out, right? She was super empathetic and... Uh, understanding, and she started to recognize um, mm. when I would really kind of be in that spot uh, as far as symptoms. And, um, you know, it 
like it affected not just me but us right right yeah. where uh we would maybe leave somewhere early yeah. or i mentioned her grandma's funeral right like i literally wasn't there with my wife you yeah. know at, at a hard time for her um and you know she never um like chastised me she never right like mm. she didn't reinforce kind of that lie that I was believing of like, you just need to toughen up. You just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Yeah. Like she never reinforced that lie, which, uh, man, God's grace on her. Cause that would have been yeah. so easy for her to look at me and say, look what you're doing to my life. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, like your crap <laughs> is, is bringing me down, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think that is just, you know, almost like what she didn't do. It is it oh, was so huge yeah. in 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 those times and mm. um, you know, I never worried about like gosh, uh, you know, I'm not the man she married. Is she going to stick in this? Like she was so gracious um and uh just so understanding and so encouraging. Yeah. Um that uh, it, that was that was just a huge, huge thing, kind of to have to know that even like in the midst of this, I know like my wife isn't going to chastise me or leave me or you know yeah. anything like that in this. So. Yeah. So, in what way in that did she um, kind of point and help connect you to your capital H hope in yeah. Christ? No, that's really good. That's really good. Um, so, I mean, I think she would always encourage me, um, like to, to take breaks, to pray, to, um, kind of do whatever I needed to, to like center myself or whatever, you yeah. know? Uh, um, and so, uh, she was always just incredibly encouraging about that. Like, mm. you know, encouraging me to get around other people and share and talk. And I wasn't like super willing to do that, um, yeah. at first. And so, uh, just, you know, to, for her, she was pointing me away from shame and towards my, yes. like the grace of Jesus. Right. Yeah. Um, and yes. so, mm. uh, yeah, it was, it was huge. That, was huge. that's, yeah, that's the key. Cause you mentioned the, the internal struggle with shame, you yes. know, at, where the anger kind of eventually pushed you into that place of, yeah. I, I'm not getting it together. Right. Um, and shame is one of the greatest enemies of our soul yeah. and it's it's disconnecting um impacts on our identity with yeah. our ourself our identity with God and then our relationships with others and so it sounds like what Whitney did so powerfully and in this modeled um incarnated if you will the the love and empathetic love and compassion of Christ is she chose to see you yep in that place um, and just, she, um, just kept moving towards you yep. and, yep. and, yep. and all those sorts of things and didn't, uh, yeah, heap on shame, which is so easy for us to do. Like it's the greatest enemy of our soul, but it's the easiest thing to wield because so easy. we live in a shaming culture. And right. It's, it's been very motivating. Yeah. And it's been our, well, <laughs> and it's, it's been our struggle since the beginning of, of that's right. you know, creation yep. since the fall. Yep. Um, we are. We are good at using shame. Um, so praise God for um, for Whitney, for um, how she walked faithfully with you. Yeah. And still does. Amen. Um, Amen. To that. Um, anything else that the Lord used in this time? What, I mean, was there anything um, that you read, that you heard, um, different things that became kind of 
portals of peace and and hope. Um, yeah, you know, there, I mean, there's a lot of things, that, yeah. and this has been a journey. Um, you know, I was probably 23, 24 uh-huh. when this started. Um, I'm 38. Okay. Now, so, so this has been years, 15 yeah. years, um, and uh, so there's been a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I remember one book, The Relational Soul uh, by James Schofield, I believe, was just like, a, oh, man, just kind of blowing me away. And it's all on kind of the identity piece and rooting ourselves uh, yeah. in in, in mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, that was one that, that really stood out. Um, but yeah, so much. And, you know, I'd say too, as, as I was reflecting on uh, doing this podcast and telling this story, um, you had mentioned like, uh, 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 like community, right? And, yeah. and it, Whitney was, was very much that for me. Uh, but then I also recognized that in kind of the midst of a lot of this, uh, just circumstantially because of our jobs at Boys Town and what we were doing, we were not in uh, a healthy church. Uh, we were uh, very much tied to our work on weekends, except for mm-hmm. uh, one a month where we attended uh, kind of a church of our choice, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, instead of one on campus. Um, and uh, and we had great uh, community amongst family teachers. In fact, uh, we count some of them as our best friends as of today. So it's not like there was a, a dearth of community um, but there was just a lack of that gospel truth yeah. um, mm. and encouragement and hope being like uh, implanted, so to speak, on yes. a regular basis, right? right. And so um, one of the things that, that God has used uh, in the years since is an amazing community and you know, mm. uh, being able to be a part of City Light and uh, just the gospel-centered way in which uh, people, uh, you know, go about ministry and life that, you know, uh, continually and constantly pointing ourselves to who we are in Jesus and the grace that we have in Jesus. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I just really see God's hand in that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been 15 years. And, uh, you know, I'd love to say that I'm fully like free, right? Yeah, right. Um, but I'm not. Like, yeah. uh, I'm not where I was by the grace of God. Yeah. Um, I love being around people again. Mm-hmm. I rarely get any like significant anxiety symptoms. Usually, when I get them, they're pretty short. Uh, I've also taken some medication, right? I, mm-hmm. I've reached out for help. I've like let go of a lot of pride <laughs> in in mm-hmm. certain areas. Um, and so there's been significant victory, um, and praise God for that. Um, but it's not gone Mm -hmm. either. You know, I, I, I do still, uh, have moments of it. And, um, and so, so I don't want to paint a picture of like, you know, complete restoration where, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm good as new, so to speak. Right. Right. But I, um, while I would love God to completely take this away or for, you know, even more so myself to be completely rooted in my identity and my security in Jesus. Um, I know that this is a journey and I know, yeah, yeah, that it's a process. And so, um, so yeah, so again, it's, uh, I am not where I once was, praise Mm -hmm. God. Um, But I'm also not where I would like to be, if that makes sense. And um, I've just seen, yeah, Jesus has been so faithful uh, to walk with me, to put people in my life, to put 
just, you know, different books at different times and, you know, the right yeah. scripture at the right time, all those certain things. Just, But it all kind of reminds me um, where my flesh wants to grab identity and security yeah. um, versus where my soul wants to be anchored. Right. Amen. Um, yeah, as you said, I mean, we're we're not there yet. Yeah. But Jesus is making you new. Yep. Um, and that's 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 what He's doing, and that's that's where our hope is. And um, the fact that Jesus is here and yep. He's working in yep. this stuff, mm-hmm. but um, also there is that great and glorious day when um, we shall, as as First John says, we'll we'll see Him face to face, and we'll be like Him. Yep. Amen. <laughs> And these things will will be no more. And that, oh, for that day, um, yeah, come quickly. Yes. Um, yes. So, looking back, as we kind of we kind of land this plane, uh, Joe, and thank you again so much for your time yeah, today. No, thanks for um, having me. So, suppose there are people listening um, now yeah. who maybe uh, find themselves at some point in your story, and perhaps maybe maybe closer to the beginning yep. of um, this is this is new, this yep. is fresh. They're in that internal wrestle and battle of maybe um, uh, inward anger or um, guilt or, um, or you know, whatever that looks like, but ultimately, you know, culminating in shame, right? Yes. I mean, that's where that, yep. it always goes there. Um, and, and such that then now they don't want to reveal this struggle. Yes. Um, they don't want to ask for help. They don't want to move towards others um, because shame tells us that there's something wrong with us and yep. we're not deserving of yep. compassion and empathy and love and right. care. Right. What do you say to them? That's a great question. Well, I would say there is something wrong with us. And we're not deserving of those things. And yet Jesus still came Hmm. and he accomplished them. Hmm. And so I think what I would say is um, that you were worth enough for our Savior to leave the comforts of heaven, to put on flesh, to come here, to die a death on a cross, to defeat death, so that you don't have to pay the penalty for sin, so that you can be adopted into the family of God, so that you can be an heir to the throne of heaven. Like that is where your value is. That is where it lies. Mm -hmm. And so anything that um, is pulling you towards shame, that is pulling you towards um, wanting to hide this, you don't have to hide it because everyone else around you is messed up too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and so um, there is absolutely no reason to hide. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no reason to shame because Jesus died for that. Yeah. Jesus rose for that. Yeah. And his work is complete. Yeah. And so you can trust in that work. And that gives you the ability to be honest and to be fully honest about what what you're struggling with, about symptoms you're having, about you know this physical breakdown, you literally feel like your body is 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 breaking down, and and you are surely <laughs> going to die very soon. Uh, you can be honest about that, and um, so yeah, so I would say uh, to just yeah, put down your guard, drop yeah. it, um, and and move towards. Uh, 
number one, move towards your Bible, get rooted in the truths of scripture. Mm. Number two, move towards a community that is going to tell you gospel truth mm. and gospel encouragement yeah. um, and not tell you that you're perfect and right. nothing's wrong with you because no, there's something wrong with all of us. Let's mm. be honest about that. Uh, but let's also be honest about what Jesus did, what he accomplished, and how we can rest in that, how we can yeah. get our full identity in that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Jesus is so much bigger than our shame. Yes. Uh, I love yes. the, the picture of Hebrews um, in Hebrews 12, where it calls us to, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Yes. Um, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. Yep. Um, so yep. Jesus took that shame upon himself, um, that shame that keeps us from coming to him so that um, he came to us. Yep. And wrapped himself in all of our shame. Yep. So that we can experience redemptive uh, relationship with Amen. him. And I, I love just thinking of in some of the verses that uh, you struggled with in the beginning, um, like the, you know, the in- invite from Philippians to... Um, Cast uh, all your anxieties on him. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the and, peace of God would surpass like, where's that peace? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But I love like if we, if we really consider these places in scripture and... Um, and I think we we simplify them to just okay. I just need to believe this, but the invite is not necessarily to um, just a set of beliefs. It's always to a person. That's right. It's always right. to this Jesus who yep. wrapped himself yep. in those things which keep us from him, right? Um, so that we could be restored in relationship and experience his redemptive power and be made new. Amen. And be on this journey, this yep. unfinished journey that will be. Um, gloriously, wonderfully finished someday. Yes. So um, that's beautiful. And just real quick, any, anything. So maybe, maybe they're not struggling with anxiety per se, but maybe, yeah. the, maybe they're near someone who is. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you say to them? Yeah. Uh, don't run away yes. uh, because um, just because you don't know what to say, you don't know how to deal with it. Uh, join the club. Yeah. Nobody like it, yeah. it's hard, right? Um, so don't run away because of that, because you don't have the answers, because you don't um, know exactly what to do. Uh, don't shame them, you know. Yeah. Don't give them the you all suck it up, Buttercup, right? Right. Um, uh, but just listen to them uh, yeah. and just encourage them. Yeah. Like, hey, this is not abnormal. Mm-hmm. Like, people struggle with this. It's a real thing. You're yeah. not, you know. Uh, uh, you're 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 not fooling yourself. Like it's a real thing that's happening. Yeah. Um, and then point them to Jesus. Yeah. And you know, not in a superficial like, well, if you just have enough faith, this will probably go away. But yeah. In a listen, I don't know what you know this is going to look like for you moving forward. Yeah. But I do know that um, whether Jesus takes this away from you or walks with you in it or mm-hmm. some version of that. That is where the answers are. Right. Like, yes, get uh, help in other areas, arenas, go see a doctor, see Absolutely. a counselor, all yes. of those things. Yes and amen. Understanding and realizing that Jesus is the center of this thing and right. that he is the one that is ultimately making us new. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That is good. Um, well, Joe, just thanks again. I, again, just in in times like these, in uh, the the current cultural moment yep. and place we find us, 
um, this conversation is so, so relevant. So thank you for being willing to share your story. Yep. Um, and even just a little, a little slice of your family and just with just you and Whitney's journey in this together. And, um, yeah. And for your counsel now as, as a pastor, as one who, uh, over these years has not just experienced, um, some of God's redemption and a restoration of hope, but you are one who continues to walk alongside others to help them find theirs. And so thank you for, for that as well. So, um, yeah, guys. Well, um, we we hope this is helpful and encouraging. And again, that uh, just maybe you might find a slice of your story, and um, in that uh, story, a um, again an invitation to that beautiful capital H hope that we have in Jesus. So, we'll talk to you soon. God be with you. Mm-hmm.